all you hardheads out there, welcome to the Hard-Headed Sports Podcast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good wherever you are in this beautiful world of ours. Thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome to the Hard-Headed Sports Podcast, Episode 3, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. It's great to have you here. We've got a pretty good show today. Uh, probably going to be on the shorter side. Not much happened in terms of quantity, anyways, over the last 48 hours since the show on Wednesday. Um, but God, every single time I've ended the show this week, some monumental news has come out that has been pretty big and it's like, well, I can't exactly just set up my camera, set up my, uh, get a, get a script going. I can't set up my microphone, do my audio checks. It's like, why get all my lights? It's like something gigantic happens at the end of every show. And it's like, why am I so unlucky? Like I can't break the news when it happens i have to wait a couple of hour uh, a couple of hours like a couple of days to actually be able to talk about the thing that just happened in this big breaking news um so it's kind of unfortunate in that aspect but it's also good for me cuz it allows me to gather my thoughts it allows me to do a little bit more research um and so it, it ends up working out for me, but it's kind of just like, oh, like, could you could you just like hold off on that news for like another 12 hours so I could have a little bit more uh, be a little bit quicker on actually giving my opinion about the news. So a little little bit bittersweet there. But of course, that gigantic news that I'm talking about in this case is the James Harden trade. This massive blockbuster trade happened on Wednesday afternoon um, and was pretty much something that flipped the NBA on its head. I, I don't know if that's a little bit too radical to say flipping it on its head, but it definitely definitely shook up the landscape, and now there there is a villain again. There is a villain, somebody to hate in the NBA, and that man is James Harden. He pushed his way out of Houston. He ended up where he and he 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 ended up where he ended up wanting to go. Um, he wanted to go to Brooklyn. He found himself in Brooklyn. And now the, the Nets are sure title contenders if they don't win a title this season or next season. I think you probably have to win as long as James Harden and Kyrie and KD are tenured on the Nets. As long as I would even say two out of the three players are on that roster, you should be winning championships. But with all three of them there, you absolutely need to win the championship. But... We'll get into all of that today. There is no worries. I literally have a gigantic list of notes here. We, even even if it's disorganized and out of order, I tried to make this as organized as possible. But even if we jump around a little bit, we are going to talk about everything to do with the James Harden trade, the winners and losers, why I think the Rockets are actually the team that won the James Harden trade. We're also going to talk a little bit about the 76ers, how they were uh, unable to get uh, James Harden. We're also going to talk about how this how this is going to work for the Nets because they had to give up the basement to to make the attic so to speak uh, so they're going to have some things to work out and we are going to also talk a little bit about the Urban Meyer Urban Meyer hiring of Jacksonville we talked about that on the Monday show um, we're going to talk about it again today just because it actually happened and kind of like after you get into an argument and you're in the shower and you think about things that you should have said like, oh, darn it, I should have said that. That's kind of the way that I'm treating that topic today. I've got so much more to say, things that I didn't get to see on Monday um, because of absent-mindedness, I suppose, uh, first time doing the show. So I'm going to get a little bit of a mulligan here. I'm going to say 
some more organized thoughts about that uh, hiring and what that means for Jacksonville. Is this going to be the coach? Is this going to be the organization that turns the, the franchise around, so to speak? But first, let's talk with the big news. It's what everybody is talking about, the James Harden trade. There are so many dynamics at play with this trade. We'll get to all of them, but first, the trade details. That seems like a pretty good place to start. Uh, the Rockets get Victor Oladipo, Rodians, Kuruks, Dante Exum, four unprotected first-round uh, picks from Brooklyn in 2022, 2024, and 2026, and also Milwaukee's 2022 first-round pick. Rockets also get four unprotected first-round pick swaps in 2021, 2023, 2025, and 2027. And for those of you who are more casual back basketball fans, uh, first-round pick swaps essentially means that if the Nets are, are worse than the Rockets in any of the years, that these picks are eligible. So in 2021, 23, 25, and 27, if the Nets are worse by any miracle to the Rockets uh, in, in the, during those years, it just means that these teams get to swap first-round picks. So in the end, Rockets getting eight first-round picks, a couple of players, and uh, they're getting their big nuisance out of Houston, which is good. Uh, the Nets get James Harden, obviously. That's the big piece that the Nets are shelling out for. Uh, the Pacers get Karis LeVert in a 2023 second-round pick from Houston. And then the Cavaliers get Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince from the Nets. Uh, Jarrett Allen, a, an exciting young, young center, really a crucial part of the Nets' rebuild, I guess you could say, of the last three years. I mean, the Nets were terrible, terrible for a while um, after they sold their souls in 2013 to get Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. We're going to talk about that a little bit as well. Very, very similar traits in terms of how... Uh, uh, Sean, I'm forgetting his last name, a Nets general manager, uh, is basically selling the team's soul to get these all-star players. Um, yeah, so Jared Allen, a really good piece for the Nets when he was there. Uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers are going to get a really good player in Jared Allen. That's a great pickup. Um, this, this is one of the very few trades, I think, in recent memory in which you could take a look at what everybody got, and you could say, yeah, I think every team that was involved ended up actually getting what they were going for. Um, every, there, there was no team that ended up being a fourth wheel. You know, somebody that's at the edge of the table as opposed to in the center of the booth. And it, 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 it really feels like every single team won this trade in some aspect. Now, the one team that you can argue lost the trade uh, is the 76ers. And you can't say that they lost the trade because they technically weren't involved in the trade. They didn't give anything. They didn't receive anything. But they were the other team in contention with the Nets to get James Harden. They were reportedly offering Ben Simmons. Um, and I'm not sure if there was anything else involved. You know, Then it comes down to, well, how much do you value Ben Simmons and how do you directly correlate that? with your value of James Harden. So I don't think it would have been a one-for-one. One. I think there probably would have been something else involved on either side. But regardless, that's just speculation. That's now officially a what-if since James Harden is now a Brooklyn Net. Um, and, of course, this all ramped up after James Harden's comments after his team's lost on Tuesday afternoon, uh, basically saying the team is not good, the team is unfixable, he doesn't know what he can do. Um, it's to me, it kind of felt like, um, kind of felt like when you're doing a handyman job, 
Like maybe let's just see you're fixing the plumbing of your sink and you're at it for about 15 minutes and you just don't know what you're doing. And then you're saying, screw this. I'm just going to go call the plumber like I should have at first. That's kind of what this felt like from James Harden. Um, it also sounded like he was going through his social media or his media day kit that uh, organizations give players at the beginning of every season. A big pamphlet saying this is how you treat this question. This is how you should treat this question. This is what you say in the situation. This is what you don't say in the situation. Um, also known as your your, your media training package i guess that's what they give these college players when they first bring them onto campus um it literally sounded like james harden was reading off of a script and checking off all the say all the things that he could say that would make him look less like a devil than he was about to make himself look when he forced himself out of the houston rockets franchise <laughs> and so he's like well i love this city i've given everything for this city and it he he did play eight seasons in Houston, and he gave them some very good seasons, but for him to make the claim that he left it all out there for the team, mm, that that strikes a bone with me. I, I don't agree. He choked in the biggest moments. He looked uninspired in his biggest moments. Um, James Harden's a me player. Uh, he was never going to win a championship with the Rockets because of that. Um so to say that he gave everything to Houston, I think that's a little bit uh, uh, that's a little bit of confirmation bias, I think, from James Harden. Um, let's talk about all the other teams involved before we specifically talk about the Nets and the Rockets. Uh, the Cavaliers received Jarrett Allen and Torian Prince, as I said earlier, and they send Dante Exum to the Rockets. I don't think he's going to stay in a Rockets uniform at least for one season. I would actually waive Dante Exum. Um, I think the Cavaliers sneakily got much better in this trade. Obviously, everybody's hyper-focused on the big names. And in some parts, uh, focused on Karis LeVert, who is now in Indiana. That's a very interesting dynamic. But not only did the Cavaliers get rid of Dante Exum, who I consider to be a tremendous bust, considering that he was the number five pick in 2014, went to the Utah Jazz, and he's had a very quiet NBA career. Now, granted, that may be a little bit unfair because he has had injuries. He tore his ACL. He had some shoulder surgery. But uh, considering how high he was picked to only be averaging under four points a game for the Cavaliers this season, a Cavaliers team that's not that great. They don't have an, uh, an all-star apart from Kevin Love who I don't even think was an all-star last year, but he, he obviously he is an all-star talent when completely healthy. Um, and then there's Andre Drummond as well. But other than that, the Cavaliers team, especially in the backcourt uh, with Garland and Sexton, Sexton got injured. There is playing time for him there. So for him to only be averaging under four points a game, um, I think that speaks to his lack of talent. He's a bust for me. So glad that the Cavaliers were able to get him out of there, move him along. Um, and, you know, Adante Exum, you say, well, the 2014 draft wasn't really that good in terms of talent, but he still was drafted higher in a bad draft. He was drafted higher than Julius Randle, Marcus Smart, Zach Levine, Yusef Nurkic, TJ Warren, Clint Capella. And I can I pretty much consider all those players to be better than Exum at this point. So good, good move by the Cavaliers to get him out. He wasn't contributing, contributing 
like you hoped he would be, uh, even on a, a team with depleted talent. So good to get him gone. Jared Allen is having his best season as a pro. He's younger. He's more athletic than Drummond is. And, of course, Drummond is on the last year of his contract um, after being traded by the Pistons last season. He's on the last year of his contract. So you either have a complimentary player to Andre Drummond or you have his replacement. Um, so Drummond is uh, Drummond is still a great talent. He's still in his prime at 27 as well. I think a lot of people forget how young Andre Drummond is. Uh, he seems a lot older than he actually is. Um, so you can turn Drummond into some more players or a few more picks by the trade deadline, or you can try and pair Jarrett Allen and Drummond together. That definitely would be a pretty exciting Definitely a very strong defensive front court there for the Cleveland Cavaliers if you decide to keep both of them. But I don't think that will happen. I think Jared Allen is probably going to end up being the king in that situation. I think Drummond might not want to be in Cleveland anyways. He definitely was surprised when he got traded by the Pistons late in 2020. Um, I don't really feel any type of way about Torian Prince. I didn't know too much about him. Um, if anything, he adds more clutter to the Cavs front court. Uh, I believe he plays power forward, but um, I don't think things are going to stay as is. So uh, you know, until he can, he could probably find a pretty established role in this lineup, like Dante Exum was hoping to find. Uh, they obviously they play different positions, but that that idea that anybody can find sufficient playing time on a rebuilding franchise is there. So maybe he can come in and find himself some good playing time. But overall, I think the Cavs can be good again in about a year or so. So watch out for them. Jared Allen is a sneakily good pickup for this franchise, and I think they did a really good job of picking and and cleaning players. Uh, uh, picking players uh, needle in a haystack out of this gigantic blockbuster trade. Uh, the, Pace, the Pacers trade away Victor Oladipo to Houston and receive Karis LeVert. Um, this is the acquisition that I feel the most indifferent about. Um, for most part, it seems like a one-for-one one to me. They're, they're, Oladipo and LeVert are similar in age. LeVert costs about $4 million left on the cap hit. Um, same position. LeVert is a little bit more of an on-ball player than Oladipo was. Uh, so, if anything, you get Oladipo, who didn't want to be in Indiana anymore, out of the organization, and you bring in a player of equal value or near-equal value. Um, now, as far as Levert's game is concerned, he really could be a nice fit with pick-and-roll with uh, Demontis Sabonis and uh, Miles Turner, who they are having great starts to their seasons, uh, Sabonis specifically. He's having a great start to his season. Uh, I don't know about you, but just off the top of my head, thinking about the Pacers starting lineup, uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Karis LeVert, TJ Warren, DeMontis Sabonis, and Miles Turner, that sounds like a pretty dang good starting lineup, if you ask me. And you know, with these scrappy East uh, Eastern Conference teams, you know that they have some really good developed players off the bench. Uh, Indiana could be one of those teams very well that has no real all-stars, but is still very well coached and can steal a playoff series from you. If you aren't careful, they've already proven they can win games this year. They've started out 7-4. and four. Um, It's too early to say if Indiana got better with this trade overall, but at the, very, at the very least, you end up with the same talent ceiling and you get the superstar or the former all-star that you had on the roster out, uh, who was disgruntled. You get him out of the roster and you get a replacement in him in somebody that could potentially be just as good, if not better. So... 
general thoughts just for the big boys involved again we're going to talk specifically about the rockets and the nets by themselves uh in a different segment on the show obviously if you're listening on spotify google Podcasts, uh, apple podcast and anchor this is all going to be one for you but if you're watching the highlights on youtube make sure you talk about the other segments on the youtube channel because we're going to talk more in depth about the nets and the rockets in those segments but as far as general thoughts are concerned um going to be very uh, general about it because, you know, um, for the Nets, it, it really reminds me of the 2013 trade that they made for Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett. Um, obviously Harden is a different caliber player still in his prime in comparison to Garnett and Pierce who were at the tail end of their careers, who were struggling, uh, and who definitely weren't worth the players and the three first round picks that uh, Brooklyn gave to the Celtics. I mean, the, the, the Brooklyn Nets directly financed the Celtics rebuild for the next three years and were able to deliver them a couple of Eastern Conference finals appearances. Um, really, that one trade was probably, some would argue, one of the worst trades in NBA history, uh, especially in the modern era. And the fact that the Nets would are going to do it again is kind of just like a, whoa, history, history really does repeat itself. Um, but yeah, really reminded me of that trade. Uh, Harden gets reunited with his former to- coach in Mike D'Antoni in Brooklyn. And there's a lot of speculation about what the relationship between D'Antoni and Harden actually is. I think the relationship between D'Antoni and Harden is actually good as opposed to the relationship between Daryl Morey and James Harden. Um, I think a big reason why he wanted to go to Brooklyn, apart from being able to play with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, was the fact that he would get to reunite with Mike D'Antoni again. Um, but Sean Marks, that's his name. Sean Marks, uh, the GM of the uh, the Brooklyn Nets, I was, I was flubbing on his name earlier. Sean Marks definitely pushed all of his poker chips to the table on this one. Um, if the Nets don't win the title this year, they don't win the title next year. It's going to be probably one of the biggest busts in the history of the league. Um, I, I, I don't see how with this talent, you don't win a title. I mean, out of all the teams, out of all the big three, big super teams, this is probably the one that looks most like a, a, a team USA competing in like the Olympics or something. I mean, there's just so much talent on this roster. Um, no real defense, no real bench, but still you would like to think that all you need is one of those players to have an on night and the rest could just kind of facilitate, facilitate through him and they'll be okay. Um, they, they've got no real defense apart from Deandre Jordan, who is 32 now. So he's getting up in age. Uh, most of their other defense in Allen and Prince went to Cleveland So they really, as I said, they've sold their basement to install an attic. um, And they really shipped out pretty much every asset they had to get James Harden, which uh, also leads me to believe that in the end, it is the Houston Rockets that will win this trade when we talk about it a couple of years from now. Um, Speaking of the Rockets, uh, this clearly was a move to get a disgruntled superstar out of the city, out of the team, but... 
more so when in the strategy behind moving Harden out of the city, this was clearly about cap space and options. Uh, you got a good piece with an expiring contract, which is really important in Victor Oladipo. Uh, Karis LeVert just re, uh, got a new contract in this offseason, so uh, it makes sense if you're opening up cap space and you're trying to manage your money that you would trade him away to Indiana, get a similar player in Victor Oladipo. Uh, as I said o earlier, Oladipo and LeVert are currently in similar places, so you basically got the same player but without the future cap hits that LeVert would have bring you, uh, brought you. Uh, you got the big distraction out. The team won its first game without Harden last night against the Spurs. Spurs are not the best team in the Western Conference, but they're definitely a middle-of-the-pack team that are going to be contending with the Rockets for some of those later, uh, those those lower-seeded playoff spots, which I do think the Rockets are going to end up being a playoff team without Harden. Um, we'll see if that comes to fruition, but that's just my gut feeling that now that you got the big distraction out of the room, you're going to be much, much better off. Um, I think Houston played this perfectly. Uh, I, they didn't do the deal at the beginning of the season when Harden expressed his disgruntled, uh, disgruntled attitude. Uh, he wanted out. He wanted to go to Miami, Philadelphia, or Brooklyn. Uh, they didn't do that trade at the very beginning of the season. They said, we're going to try to work it out. But they also were able to wait until the per perfect moment to strike a deal. And that happened to be Spencer Dinwiddie of the Brooklyn Nets, one of the key players that are not named Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, went down with an injury. So you're catching Brooklyn and Sean Marks when they're vulnerable, when they're desperate for players, and they really feel like they need that extra all-star. So uh, Houston was able to get an absolute haul from Brooklyn just by waiting. I don't think they would have gotten this much if they did this deal at the beginning of the season and things hadn't happened. Of course, uh, you don't want Spencer Dinwiddie's injury to be the catalyst of a business transaction. I mean, that's awful for him, and of course we hope he's okay. Um, I believe it's a torn ACL. Maybe somebody can correct me on that. Uh, but this this deal would not have been as good for Houston if they did it at the beginning of the season. So the Houston Rockets played this perfectly. They got a lot of draft picks, a lot of cap space opened up, and uh, it ended up being really, really good for them. Uh, Houston was never really going to win a championship with Harden. I think that was pretty evident after the Rockets choked in the, the, the conference finals. Um so, you know, for those of you still saying we should they should have tried to hold on to Harden, like, why are you going to try and keep somebody who is being a nuisance to the locker room. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins looked like he was about to fight James Harden by himself, so maybe for James Harden's personal safety, you want to move him out of the locker room into a different team entirely. But, um, uh, you know, Houston was never going to win a championship with Harden, so why would you go through the trouble to keep somebody who wasn't going to win a championship with you and was only going to make the locker room worse than it already was? And for all of those reasons... I think that the Houston Rockets won this trade. You know, it, it's hard to look at this and say, how can you think the Nets lost this trade? I mean, they're more than likely going to win multiple championships or at least one championship this year or the next year. But the more and more I think about it, the more and more I feel in the bottom of my heart that the Rockets actually won this trade. Um, I, I, You know, in the first real move as... Rockets general manager, Raphael Stone hit an absolute home run, in my opinion. And you may say, well, Stone chose draft picks, which equate to nameless faces, over Ben Simmons, who is a perennial all-star at his position and is already a pretty realized talent. 
And, of course, that's not for sure. That That's just what's reported that the 76ers were offering was Ben Simmons. Um, and some people are suggesting that the, tra- that the, uh, the trade didn't go through because of the fact that Daryl Morey was now the 76ers general manager after he resigned to uh, supposedly spend time with his family on the Eastern Coast. Uh, since his son was graduating high school, but then he popped up as the 76ers general manager. So some people are suggesting, well, uh, Tommy Fertitta and Raphael Stone are a little bit uh, heartbroken and bitter uh, about that, and they didn't want to deal hard into the 76ers for that reason. But I don't really think that's it. I think uh, the philosophy of this entire trade was options and cap space. And it, it wouldn't make sense to drop your max contract player, trade him to another team just to pick up another max contract player who I believe the contract is actually very similar in terms of price as well. So it would make no sense if your philosophy with this trade is cap space and options. It would make no sense to send your max contract player to get a max contract player And not only that, but a max contract player that does not fit your offensive philosophy at all in the middle of the season. If you were doing this in the offseason where you had time to match players easily in the free agency market to build around somebody like Ben Simmons, then sure, that would be a little bit more reasonable. But to do it in the middle of the season, nine games into the season, and to try and bring in another max player, which will put you very in a very similar spot with the cap space with the your your cap room and have that player more than likely not be draft uh not not be happy that he got taken from a potentially uh, uh from potentially a team that would come out of the east in the 76ers and get put on a team that is not really going to probably go anywhere this season i still think that the rockets are a playoff team but they're not going to come out of the west um i would be very surprised if that ended up happening so it makes no sense to bring in Ben Simmons. Uh, you'd be in a similar place with your cap space. You wouldn't want to be there. And the offense in Houston is not catered to Ben Simmons at all. It would just be a mess. It would take way too long for the Rockets to get anything together. And quite honestly, I don't think that the 76, I don't really think that anybody wants Ben Simmons apart from the 76ers. You take a look at the what the type of league this league is. It's purely about scoring in this league right now. And sure, Ben Simmons can get his, and he does get his, but he still does not have a jump shot. And his unwillingness to really develop a jump shot is probably something that I think scares away a lot of owners and a lot of general managers in this league. Uh, But yeah, I, I, I don't think that... Simmons would have been the right choice, especially with the philosophy it looked like the the Rockets were going for when trading James Harden. Um, it's not that Simmons can't score. It's not that he's not a perennial all-star at his position. It's just not a good fit for the Rockets currently. So why try and get a max contract player that A, won't fit the team, B, you would have to build around in later seasons, and C, can't shoot a basketball. <laughs> um, so in that aspect, Victor Oladipo is a better fit. And he is on an expiring contract, as we've said. So if he doesn't end up liking Houston or is a bad fit for the team, you can move him before the deadline or at the very least you have him leave at the end of the season and no harm, no foul. But Victor Oladipo is a talented player when healthy. So I think that is a better fit for what the Rockets are trying to do. And above all else, the Rockets basically have the world as their oyster right now in terms of, of, of... 
um, cap space and draft picks that kind of equated to what's going on in Jacksonville right now in the NFL. They have a new coach. They have all these draft picks. They have tons of cap space. Um, and most importantly, and, and this one thing in particular is why I think the Rockets won this trade. They have options, like lots of options. You know, people are really focusing on the draft picks and saying, well, you traded James Harden, a for sure talent, perennial MVP and all-star to the Brooklyn Nets for draft picks, which essentially relate to nameless faces. And well, yes, in some part, that's true. You don't know the talent that you're going to be getting out of the draft. Although this draft in 2021 is supposed to be really, really good. Draft picks don't always equal drafted players. And what I mean by that is that draft picks also serve, as we see in plenty of trades, draft picks also serve as trade bait. So you have all these first round picks, so it doesn't necessarily mean that the Rockets are going to use all of those undrafted players. It could be a similar situation like Boston used it with uh, Brooklyn's pick, uh, with the, the one of Brooklyn's first round picks with the Garnett and Paul Pierce trade to get Kyrie Irving. You know, these first round picks end up equaling drafted players, but not necessarily for you. You can use these draft you could use these draft picks to go and get yourself a player with a trade. Uh, and that also just having all these draft picks makes your team a little bit more attractive in free agency. So I'm taking a look at the Rockets and I'm saying you have all this cap room, you have all these draft picks and Kyrie, uh, not Kyrie, Kawhi Leonard is a free agent next year. And hey, if things go south in LA like they have the potential to do, you know, Kawhi might find himself wanting out of LA and heading back to Texas, you know? So I, you definitely, the Nets are going to win a championship. I, I think, I think it would be probably one of the biggest turnarounds in sports history or one of the, one of the biggest bust rather if they didn't win a championship. But in terms of what the meaning of this trade is I think the Rockets won this trade. They got rid of their disgruntled superstar that was only going to muddy their locker room and their franchise further. They got back eight first round draft picks, which not only can be used on drafting really good talent, but also can be used on used as trade bait in trading for other players. And they were able to minimize their cap space by uh, flipping Levert for Oladipo, who's going to be a similar talent, or at least a similar level talent, assuming that all of them stay healthy, and Oladipo is not going to give you the the subsequent cap hits that Levert would, considering that Levert just hire, uh, just signed a brand new contract. So that's everything on the Rockets side of things. How is how is James Harden going to end up fitting in Brooklyn? Because everybody takes a look at this on paper and says championship instant championship if they don't win a championship it's a bust i'm saying that i mean <laughs> i'll take a look on paper and say that but really it, it does winning a championship brooklyn winning a championship doesn't fall on james harden it falls on kyrie irving um the the, the nets have no bench I, I mean joe harris is probably your best bench player if you're not already starting somebody like joe harris um which i think you should be uh, the uh, of course the Nets losing Spencer Dinwiddie, so that's their next next best bench player. Uh, they send away Jared Allen, Kyrie Levert. Those are there. Those by themselves, that is a bench to be reckoned with. They don't have those players anymore. So they have they have no bench. They've got no defense apart from DeAndre Jordan. 
They've got no cap space and they've got no draft picks. If this, if there was ever a picture in the NBA dictionary of somebody going all in, it would be a picture of Sean Marks signing the trade deal for James Harden, pushing all of his poker chips into the table here. So now it just relies on Kyrie. The team will only win a championship if Kyrie stops being Kyrie and stops singing Kumbaya in his New York City apartment with a flower hat on. <laughs> if if Kyrie stops being Kyrie, this team's going to be this team's going to win a championship. Now, of course, when I say when Ky, if Kyrie stops being Kyrie, I'm talking about the 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 personal side to Kyrie Irvin, the the. The, the guy that's being a bit of a social media nuisance, the guy that's be not being good publicly for the team, even though he's a fantastic superstar of a basketball player, he's probably the best ball handler in the NBA when he's on the court. Which, which leads me to my next question, which is, how are the Nets going to manage James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving? Because... Out of all the big threes that have formed in the past decade, even the big three in Miami, there's always one person that has sacrificed. It was Chris Bosh in Miami. Kevin Durant with the Warriors, he sacrificed. And even, I just don't know who is going to sacrifice on this team. I don't think it's going to be Kevin Durant because Kevin Durant's already been there, done that. I think Kevin Durant wants his own team. And the Nets still, even with the acquisition of James Harden, is Kevin Durant's team. It's not going to be Kevin Durant. James Harden is all about me. He doesn't necessarily, he's not a team player. Of course, he, he averages great assist numbers, but generally that also go, goes with having to score 40 points a night. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a culture shock for him to go and not get as many touches. The person that's going to have to sacrifice is going to have to be Kyrie Irving. And I don't know if Kyrie Irving is really up to that challenge again. He had to sacrifice and be the second man in Cleveland. He had to be... Uh, the, the the second man really in, in Boston because he wasn't the leader that he was supposed to be in Boston. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown ended up being the vocal leaders of that team and not Kyrie Irving. It's going to be really, really difficult for the Nets to try and figure this out. You know, I genuinely see a world, just, just thinking about it, I genuinely see a world in which we are at this date, a year from now, and the Nets still haven't won a championship because they could not figure it out. This is the first big three that has formed in this era of super teams in which you say, wow, there really is only one ball. Like, I hate that saying, there's only one ball, you'll need to share the ball. But it's genuinely like you have three major ball handlers on this team. Now, Kevin Durant doesn't really need to, to be the ball handler. I think with all of his, his experience in Golden State, he has developed such a strong off-ball game that he can play off-ball and still get his no matter what without isolation. So Kevin Durant is fine. Like Out, out of all the question marks I have on the Nets now, now that James Harden is there, Kevin Durant is the least questionable. I think he's going to be fine. But... I really question how the Nets are going to be able to make this work. Not for a lack of talent, but just for a lack of assets. 
and a, a lack of circumstance. Steve Nash, first-time head coach. Will he be able to handle having three superstars on a team like this? It's difficult for a veteran head coach to do that, never mind a rookie head coach. This team is not going to win a championship unless Kyrie stops being Kyrie. You can't do this without Kyrie Irving. And and it's it's kind of sucky for the Nets that they have to rely on somebody that has been unreliable ever since they acquired him. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, is this team talented enough to win a championship with just Harden and Durant? Yes, but with time. I think if you're winning a championship in Brooklyn with just Harden and Durant, it would happen next year. But if you're wanting to win this year, like everybody now predicts that you need to, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving needs to stop being Kyrie Irving, the personality, and needs to start being Kyrie Irving, the best point guard in the league type of Kyrie Irving. Now, maybe saying saying best point guard in the league is probably a little bit too much. I think Stephen Curry is probably the better point guard in the league, but I guess uh, uh, um, the best ball handler, the best the best true point guard as in terms of dribble, ankle breaker, you know, pick and roll, yada, yada. I think Kyrie Irving is better. Um, so, wow, we, we actually talked about... <laughs> we actually talked about the Harden trade for close to 40 minutes. I thought we were going to be a little bit over the 30-minute mark when the show ended today. But it looks like we're going to be a little bit over that. So, hey, if you like longer shows, cheers to you. Good for you. If you don't like longer shows, I'll try and wrap this up. <laughs> Um, last topic we're going to talk about today. Well, first of all, I decided not to talk about the Robert Sala hiring today, even though the Jets did hire, uh, Robert Sala as their head coach last night. Uh, I I want a little bit more time to research Robert and get a bit of a more informed opinion on him. Uh, but opening thoughts about it. I think just looking at it on paper, I think it's a good hire for the Jets. Uh, the big thing is that he seems to believe in Sam Darnold, uh, which which is good for the Jets. Um, they don't they they can start focusing on filling holes in other places because the biggest question is well how much faith does the organization have in Sam Darnold? And apparently the answer is they have enough faith at, at least at this point. Depending on rumors, obviously the draft is in April. We'll really find out how much faith they have in Sam Darnold then. But as of right now, it looks like the the organization has enough faith in Sam Darnold to say, okay, we can give you one year while we draft and fill other places. So in my mind, if Robert Sella likes Sam Darnold, uh, Jets will take uh, 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 um, flipping. I'm I'm flubbing on his name right now. uh, Left tackle from Oregon, Panay Sewell. I don't know why that was so difficult for me. I didn't get my coffee this morning, folks. Um... So we'll talk about that tomorrow. We'll talk about um, the uh, divisional round tomorrow as well. But to finish out the show today, I want to revisit uh, my comments about Urban Meyer on Monday. Um, I said he had commitment issues, and this was all before the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, uh, officially hired Urban Meyer as their head coach. Uh, now, but now the Myers deal is uh, now the Urban Meyer deal is done completely. Uh, we don't know specifics about salary at this point, I don't think, but uh, it is a, officially a done deal. Uh, Shahid Khan officially announced Urban Meyer as the head coach. 
And I'm just, I'm just, I'm looking at all of this and I'm just thinking to myself, man, Urban Meyer is the ultimate opportunist. And I say that in the least negative connotation possible, but he has a generational talent coming in at quarterback most likely. We, we can all assume that Trevor Lawrence is going number one overall. So Urban Meyer has a genera- generational quarterback. He's got 11 draft picks in the upcoming draft. He's got the most cap space, the most projected cap space anyways, in the league next season. Like, and also, most importantly, he's coming in with a new general manager. He's not competing with somebody that has their different vision and has been there for a couple of years. Uh, And that new general manager, it hasn't been announced yet, but it's very likely that that new general manager could be Terry Fontanet. Uh, who is now the assistant GM slash vice president with the New Orleans Saints organization. Um, Urban Meyer is the ultimate opportunist. I mean, you take a look at everything that Urban Meyer has to start in his first NFL coaching position. I don't think you could get a better start if you tried. Like, if you were playing Madden on your PlayStation or Xbox and you had all your settings turned up all the way, I still don't think you probably could have gotten a better start as a head coach than Urban Meyer is having right now in Jacksonville. And truthfully, you know, the Jaguars have some talent. You know, uh, Chenault and Chalk Jr. uh, at the wide receiver core, uh, uh, Keenan Cole, uh, uh, Josh Allen, Miles Jack, on the defensive side of the ball, C.J. Henderson. He had a he had, he had a bit of a rough year as a rookie, but uh, I still think that uh, Henderson, uh, uh, for, uh, now a one-year player out of Florida, he could be really good. Jaguars have some young talent. I genuinely do not think that Urban Meyer could have crafted a better starting position for him if he if he tried. He is the ultimate opportunist. Um, it sounds like he has all the power. It sounds like he essentially is going to change the Jaguars into his own college program. Uh, rumors are that he's getting a completely new nutritional staff, new strength and conditioning coaches. It's genuinely like Urban Meyer is crafting himself, his own personal college program, but with professional NFL players. Um, if that isn't enough reason to come out of retirement, I don't know what is. Genuinely. Um, I don't rescind my position that I said on Monday, and I'm still not sold on the hire. It all sounds great, but I'm still not sold on the hire based on who Urban Meyer has proved himself to be. Now, if you're okay with letting personal uh, opinions about somebody, if you're okay with what Urban Meyer has on his record in the past, then this is a great hire. But if you're worried about that and you let your let that affect your decision-making like it does for me, I take that into account. I say, ah, I still think Urban Meyer has commitment issues, and if this doesn't work out, he is going to be out of there so quick. Meyer is a championship-winning coach, but with great power comes great responsibility. And, to quote Spider-Man, and if he has all the power and fails with it, like most college coaches do to try to coach on the professional level, this could be a disaster. Um, I don't think it will be that bad. You know, I fingers crossed that this actually works out for the Jaguars, but I still think that Urban Meyer, you know, 
has commitment issues. And I still do think that even if his tenure is not a failure in terms of producing results, he could still leave on his own accord if things are not going exactly the way that Urban Meyer wants it to. You know, you, you are giving this man who has not coached a single game in the NFL all this power. It's, it, 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 it raises red flags for me. Um, now, call it cruel or, or whatever, I don't care. He has used his health as an out to get out of certain situations before. Do I doubt his health issues? No, I think they're real. I'm not going to be that cynical. But how many times can you retire due to health issues and then come back like a year later and coach a different football team? You know, it, it, there's a lot of suspicious circumstances that revolve around that. Uh, he did it in Florida when reports came out that he had created a toxic culture for the Gators, um, hiding uh, positive drug tests, catering to star players. Um, and that was talked about in, in a report uh, which which had multiple former Gator players testifying in that. And then, of course, he did it again at 2018, in 2018 at Ohio State in which he was a spend for three games in his role in potentially covering up a sexual abuse uh, scandal with one of his assistant coaches. Um, history repeats itself, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I, I, I'm not going to say that something that bad is going to happen with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but if it does, is Urban Meyer really the person that you're going to want to stand in the pocket and stand tough? Because history has shown us that he is going to leave with health scare reasons in the past. And uh, even even if even if uh, you know the play on the football field isn't disastrous, if Urban Meyer is not happy, Urban Meyer is going to get what he wants, and you're going to be finding yourself a new head coach in three or four years. So I'm not I'm still not completely sold on the Urban Meyer hire. It all looks great on paper, but I just have lingering confidence issues that Urban Meyer is going to be a good head coach and not end up being Urban Meyer that we know from the past in which he leaves programs due to health issues with suspicion that it could be a, a, a get out of jail free card considering what else was being told, uh, talked about when it comes to urban Meyer. So uh, that's the show today. Ladies and gentlemen, a little bit shorter, about 10 minutes shorter than the last show. But uh, remember if you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcast, or anchor, you can catch the highlights of these shows again on the YouTube channel. Uh, search hard-headed sports on YouTube. You will find the YouTube channel where the highlights from the show will be posted. And of course, if you are now watching this highlight on YouTube, you can listen to the entire show in one go on Spotify, Apple podcasts, and Google podcasts. So thank you all so much for listening to me today. I had a little bit of a frog in my throat, so I hope that I don't sound uh, too congested. Oh, oh, that was nice. <laughs> I hope I don't sound too congested, but, um, Thank you so much for listening. This has been the Hard-Headed Sports Podcast, Episode 3, hosted by me, Nick Ryan. I will see you all tomorrow for Saturday. We're going to be talking Wild Card Weekend. I will see you then. So thank you, all you hardheads. Stay hearted out there, but have a nice day.